guys, gals, and all my non-binary pals. This is Eagle's Nest with Gabby. Uh, it's our first episode on You Are Power Radio. Um, joining me today is Renee McGurry. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. 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 Awesome. Um, so uh, Eagle's Nest with Gabby is just a, a, a fun little podcast um, show that I am doing. Um, more or less just wanting to spread the love and uh, share the love as well. So um, thank you for being my first uh, participant in our first ever episode. Um, so maybe we should uh, um, discuss how we know each other and uh, who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, my English name is Renee McGurry. Um, my spirit name is One Who Walks on Water, and I'm from the Lynx Clan. Uh, we met through Full Circle for Indigenous Education, which is a nonprofit organization that provides supports for Indigenous and non-Indigenous educators specifically. So I've been involved with them for, for many, many years, and that's where we met initially when we went through the process of changing our name and we sort of rebranded ourselves. We were Aboriginal Circle of Educators and uh, mm -hmm. the word Aboriginal then is, is fading out. It's still part of the constitution, but uh, we've taken over the name Indigenous um, because it's more global and it's more of a description of who we are as an organization here. So we, we went through this process. I think it's a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. long, done really quickly, right? Yeah, uh, sort of rebranded ourselves here. So that that's that's where we met initially. I, I guess mm -hmm. um, kind of cross paths at a few meetings and stuff. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah for sure. Involved with them. I think it's uh, probably at least twelve years now with this yeah. organization here, and that's just a volunteer position here. Um, and I am a retired teacher. I retired four years ago from St. James School Division. I did 35 years um, as an educator. Um, and um, the last several years I did the Indigenous education for the school division. So I had 26 schools that I worked with. Wow. And since that time, I got to retire for about two days before somebody, <laughs> before right? the 3D Relation Commission called me up and asked me if I'd like to join their team. So mm -hmm. um, I've been involved with them for four years now. And I teach teachers about the treaties. I, I demonstrate lesson plans and um, I do classroom visits as well on request. Mm -hmm. So quite often the teachers don't know much about the treaties. And so I will go in mm -hmm. and introduce it to their classrooms. And then I'll do a few lesson plans with the students as well. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, things like creating a treaty in your classroom um, with the teacher and students here, or I will demonstrate uh, lesson plans that involve the map of Manitoba and the numbered treaties. So a whole variety of things here. And I've also been involved with um, Live Different. Live Different is mm -hmm. a, a, also an organization that builds homes in, uh, in Haiti, Dominican uh, Yes, I think I saw a post of yours about yeah. that. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> well, I'm on the board of directors for that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a Canadian organization sort of centered out of Hamilton, but um, they're now opening um, a Live Different office in the United States. 
Oh, wow. And so I'm a part of that board as well. So, that, I mean, I've traveled to Thailand to build houses, to mm -hmm. Haiti, Dominican, Mexico. I've gone a few times to build houses there. Mm -hmm. So, that, I mean, you never, when you're an indigenous educator, we never really retire. Right. You know, <laughs> you've always got something on the go or somebody needs something, particularly today, because there's so much um, talk about reconciliation and there's people mm -hmm. that are out there, educators who really want to learn more about the history, um, mm -hmm. where we move uh, forward here. A lot of interest in the residential schools and then the, the mm -hmm. treaty education as well. So it's a really mm -hmm. good time to be an Indigenous educator because there's such a need or a want out there. Great, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that are really interested in learning more. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, you've got that online course at the University of Alberta as well. Yes. That people can take um, to learn more about the history. In, and it's in, free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's certainly free. So if you are interested in that, the University mm -hmm. of Alberta, just check that out. There's a course online about Indigenous education. So, and the, like, what a place to start is to learn the history. And I, I feel like that is some like a place that people need to begin because right. our history isn't taught um, naturally and or um, academically. At least for me, I, I know times are changing now, obviously. But uh, what a what a what a way to start, <laughs> you yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah, just start mm -hmm. by educating yourself. If you're looking mm -hmm. at becoming an ally, um, the first place to start would be the history so that you learn about um, the struggles that we've had through history, why things are the way they are today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Take a look back. I know that there's a lot of um, people who are, especially in like Manitoba and our northern communities are very tied into the church. Mm -hmm. and so as soon as you mention indigenous education here, they start getting ideas of ceremonies and they, they start, there's a little bit of pushback mm -hmm. because they're so, so centered on their churches. Mm -hmm. um, and they see it as a sort of um, the spirituality part of it is not fitting in with their belief system, right? Right. And so there's a lot of pushback from some of the communities regarding indigenous education, but you can't go wrong if you start with the history. Right. You know? Yeah, you know, learning about the history and sharing your knowledge. And I think the generation coming up here is going to be much better educated than we were. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm back, I'm old school, really old school. Like, when I graduated, I, I my dad gave me a typewriter. So we <laughs> <laughs> there were no, com there were no computers in my life. Right. Like, even when I graduated from high school, we were used, still using typewriters. You know, and so, they came in like a little like suitcase looking thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My grandma had one. <laughs> I have a high tech one because I had a corrector on it. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then just when I finished my first degree, um, at that point, these Apple Commodore computers were coming mm. in with, with a paper feed and stuff like that and the floppy disks. Yeah, <laughs> really evolved. Um, so we've had to really, as educators, had to change over the like really quickly. And that's yeah, it's a fast turnaround. I feel like <laughs> yeah. there's so much online now. 
Mm -hmm. So there's really no excuse for people not educating themselves because there's opportunities for free courses online. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of Indigenous writers now. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so there's a lot of uh, print material out there as well. So there, we have mm -hmm. opportunities to really make change and, and move things forward here. You know. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of uh, writers, I, I don't know if you want to discuss this, but I saw your Facebook posts about uh, potentially writing some books. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, I've been toying with the idea here because um, we have a lot of um, a lot of novels, you know, fiction, nonfiction for adults. Mm -hmm. um, there's not as many resources for children. Right. And so I thought if I could bring in, and my thought was if I could bring in some of the teachings and then some of the history into the early years, mm -hmm. you know, that would be a good thing here. So I'm toying with the idea of doing uh, a book about dish with one spoon. Mm. You know, dish with one spoon is part of the wampum belt. Um, it goes back to the first treaties that were done in Ontario here. Mm -hmm. And the image is sort of a circle in the middle of a wampum belt here. Um, and that represents a dish. And the idea behind that, that wampum belt here is that we are all sharing that one dish, mm -hmm. whatever is in that dish, whether it be um, berries or animals in there, and there's one spoon. So when you take in from the dish, you pass the spoon along and you make sure there's something left for the next group of people here. Wow. So the idea being is that we protect the land and that we not take more than we need. Hmm. And that goes okay. back a long way. Yeah. So that's the, uh, that's going to be the topic of my first book. Wow. This dish oh. with one spoon and how you protect mother earth and you only take what you need so that there's something left for the next person. That's that is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that with us. Um, I, well, I've done the research on it and I have not seen any kind of books on it, none. Yeah, you know, um, like when I was in elementary school, um, uh, we didn't have very much literature even then. And I think I've met a few authors that were just coming out and doing children's books of like the seven teachings. And that I felt like that was like the only thing that I've ever seen in writing was the seven teachings. And um, yeah. so it's like, everything is, is uh, coming along with other teachings that, you know, I, I never heard of this teaching before. So this is, this is really interesting and intriguing. Yeah, yeah. And so if you if you were to Google it dish with one spoon, mm -hmm. I get some pieces of information on just a couple of websites, there's not much out there. Right. And so you pictures of the wampum belt that represents that teaching. Mm -hmm. That's really fundamental to what we're, we're discussing right now as far as protecting Mother Earth. Right. Right. Is making sure that we care for her and that we not like overfish or overhunt and, and mm -hmm. that we take care of what's there for future generations. And so I thought this wampum belt idea of a dish with one spoon would lead into further books if I was to do any other ones about generosity, mm -hmm. um, about sharing, about um, 
some basic, some of the seven teachings, obviously respect mm-hmm. for the land, right. respect for others. So it all sort of ties in here in this whole idea of, of generosity and, and, and so forth. So I thought this would be a really good launching point for that. And particularly the work that I'm doing right now with the First Nations Treaty 2 government Right, uh, they're going to be uh, opening their own land-based school. Mm-hmm. So the idea behind that school is that you have all of your different um, topics related to the land and to in First Nations uh, history and culture and spirituality at the center, and then you would build in your subject areas. Right. So we were going to do medicine picking. How does that fit in with science? grade one mm-hmm. science how does that fit in with uh grade four social studies for example or how does that right. tie in with all the different subject areas right and so this is a different approach because i know that in did mm-hmm. indigenous education here quite often what the teachers are trying to do is they're trying to bring culture and then put fit it into subject areas right so this storytelling for, for example mm-hmm. and then they put it into language arts um, and they don't really, it's a hit and miss thing. They're just putting little bits and pieces together here. So mm-hmm. my thought is a land-based school is really fundamental in order to share everything that we know as the center point. Right. Like, it's like all the dots are there. It's just connecting them and like the yeah. intricacies in between them. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a different approach from what the school divisions are doing. Wow. They're just that's... bringing elders for bits and pieces of that here. And the other mm-hmm. thought of it is that it should be more, um, the, the education system should be more student-based, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're looking at the gifts that the student carries. And, and that's really important here because uh, we, had a, we had a Zoom call with Isaac Murdoch um, from, from Ontario and he's building a community right now with, with uh, the lodge as a center point and housing and all of that he's doing all of that and when we talked about education here he thought like he was he was told that he would be a storyteller as a young child mm-hmm. and that was his gift and so his job was to continue to learn about storytelling and to nurture that gift and then share mm-hmm. that with others. And so that's what he's become. So quite often we don't recognize what the gifts of the children are. Right. And we don't, and, and they're le- they leave high school and they have no idea what they want to do with their lives, right? Yeah. <laughs> Big example here. <laughs> but you have to find out what your passion is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to really find the passion. For me, passion, my passion has been my culture. And mm-hmm. so everything that I do now um, is all focused on learning more about who I am, where right. I come from, um, and give back to the community. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think we need to really recognize that each of us has a gift mm-hmm. and to really nurture and honor that gift that you might have. And when I think about it, I have, both of my girls are grown up. I have one who's 34 and the other one's 30. When I think back when they were children, I should have recognized what their gifts were because mm-hmm. they were very different from each other. 
-hmm. I should have recognized my older daughter here is very, very, um, very curious about science mm -hmm. and how things are in the world here. She was very involved in that at a very young age. And as a result, she ended up going and becoming a doctor of pharmacy. And she loved it. That's her passion. My younger daughter, on the other hand, is more social. And mm. so she needed to find um, a career where she was able to mix with people um, and spend a lot of time out in, in the community and mingling with people. And so mm -hmm. I think that if we recognize our, our kids when they're young, what their gifts are, yes. we can really, really um, encourage them to find opportunities and careers in areas yes. they work in, because there's nothing worse than sitting down and, and spending your whole day doing something you don't like. Right, yeah. exactly. You know, I know yeah. we all have to do those jobs, right? <laughs> right. Everybody has a job at like McDonald's or mm -hmm. a grocery store, or whatever that yeah. restaurant whatever that might be, but that they knew, mm -hmm. like most people know that's not what they want to do with their lives, right? Yeah, my, my friend Dobie Jokey, who, who's uh, created this platform uh, that our shows, the show's going to be on, uh, she was told at a young age from uh, a community member of hers that you have power, you are power, You're, and you can use that power to grow into this person that you, you need to be or want to be. And, you know, it struck me because I don't think I've ever been told that, Um by somebody like a family member or someone that was close with me. I know I, I do have uh, one teacher, Mrs. O.C., Jennifer, um, who definitely taught me a lot about myself and a lot about Indigenous um, uh, uh, ceremonies and everything. But I don't think I ever connected those dots. Like, I, I have the power and I know, like, I'm learning who I am and where my people came from. But I, I, I somehow I, I didn't connect it as... I should have when I was girl, like growing from adolescent to teenage years, right? So now that I'm a little bit older, younger adult, it's starting to make sense. <laughs> if that's uh, if that makes sense, so this, yeah. it's that's very uh, empowering um, uh, to be able to see each your like the children or um, uh, your own children's uh, gifts and and being able to like guide them, kind of so to speak, you know? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Like something that I feel like I would have wanted or needed when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know when I was in high school, um, coming from a family that no, where nobody graduated from high school or went mm -hmm. on to post-secondary, I didn't even know about university. So there's a lot of things that we don't know or mm -hmm. we don't know that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And um, it was only through somebody sort of tapping me on the shoulder in high school, one of the teachers, and asking me what I was going to do when I finished high school. And I didn't know. I didn't know about university. So she told me mm -hmm. that there was opportunities for me to go on to do a university degree. And she got me all the materials that I needed to take a look at that. And then I thought, okay, that's good. Now, what do I want to take and in university and so I went into education so those are the only professionals I knew right. like we didn't have any lawyers or accountants in our family so I had no idea what I could become so I went into mm -hmm. education and that uh, it, that changed everything um, mm -hmm. because I was 
finished high school, first one in the, on both sides of the family. Then I went into university, uh, first one to graduate from university. And then my brothers followed mm -hmm. um, and did the same thing. Um, they went into, one's an electrician, the other one's a power engineer. Um, they were more hands-on than, than yeah. I was. And so we broke the cycle of poverty in one generation. Right. And then all of the kids went on to do great things. My brother's kids are actors mm -hmm. um, and do a lot of work in Northern communities to teach filmmaking. Wow. And, um, and the, it really changed, changed everything. So it, it, didn't, it didn't take anything, but I didn't know that I had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem with some of our kids in the northern communities. They maybe want to do something with their life, but they don't know what's out there. They, they have no idea. Like even if when my older daughter was first exploring uh, careers, she was thinking about engineering. Who knew that there was 10 types of engineering? Right. Like <laughs> there's, so confusing. There's, like, there's like 10 different specialties in engineering. And we had no idea until we started exploring it. So part of the problem is that a lot of our young people don't know what opportunities are out there because they only know who they, who are in their own circles. Right. Yeah. So I haven't, you know, so if you have um, an uncle who's a, a construction worker, well, you know about mm -hmm. the construction business and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I, I really think that you need to really tune in. Part of your identity is to really figure out who you are. And, and what you want to do with your life. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, it's a tough thing to get into and finish a degree and find out that's not what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> you, just, you just put in four, four years of your life into something and you find out that that's not for me. That's not. Yeah. There's so yeah. many students, uh, a lot of my friends who have graduated a university a few years back is like, they, they're like, I have a bachelor's in arts. I don't know what to do. I'm still working at a bank. So, <laughs> you know, like just yeah. things that like they wish that they could have known before they actually graduated. So yeah, like a lot of us can go through that for sure. Yeah. So I guess part of what, part of the education system should be just exploring what your gifts are and what your interests are mm -hmm. at key times, like grade nine, and right should be exploring and they there should be time devoted to figuring out what you want to do when you mm -hmm. finish school right right you, because you, uh, you do certain need certain courses if you're going to go into um even if you're going to go into carpentry for example you still right. need your math math you know yeah yeah you know? So the things that kids don't find out until it's too late, right? Mm -hmm. I need my math, uh, my high school math. Um, now I have to go back to school, you know? Mm -hmm. So exploring that at an earlier age probably makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. you know, for, right, uh, for sure. To do that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting that... Uh, there's so much is tied into your, who you are. Your identity. Yes. You know, and having the education like system change for indigenous kids or, or non-indigenous kids, I feel like is again, another really 
core step, like outreaching to younger and younger audiences. Like, um, I think the seven teachings didn't come to me until I was like in grade seven or eight. So, um, I feel like if like you, you introduce it like younger and younger and younger, like I, I would have loved to, you know, be in kindergarten or grade one and being taught these things because I like even having somebody that looks like me or like thinks like me really helped because it, it, it taught me to not hate myself because there are others of us out there. And I feel like that's something that I've always been taught at a young age was that you are, you come from these people that aren't good and therefore you're not good. So we're just going to, you know, shove you along in the educational system. And I think that's part of the reason why I never took education seriously, but until I got older and I realized that, oh, like this is something that you kind of need to, to, to live and thrive and, and help your people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think we are still like in education here, we're still um, at a point where we haven't really figured out that we need to really put more of our time, money, efforts into early years. Because mm-hmm. when I, I taught grade five for many years here, you could already tell um, at that point there which kids are, were lost and didn't know what they were going to do. And there was such an academic gap already at grade five that you knew some of these kids were just going to veer off and maybe drop out of high school and that these kids are more focused on education and would probably graduate. So with poverty the way it is, and it's so rampant in the Indigenous communities here, kids are not um, starting school at par. You know, there's a gap already. Um, so that's where the time and the money should be put into is make sure that everybody has an, a you know, sort of a level playing field when they start kindergarten, mm-hmm. you know, and cause that gap widens as the years go on here. So I'm not everybody, like everybody has a different home life when they're, before they start yes. school. Right? Some people, uh, you know, grow up in a home where the parents read to them on a regular basis, encourage them to, uh, to learn more about, um, about education, about, um, about books and, and uh, reading and writing and the importance of that. Others don't have that. Well, so yeah, some parents don't have time. They're using all their time to work or to, to you know, pay yeah. the bills kind of thing. Yeah. That's definitely like a, a generational trauma that needs to be broken is that we, if we don't have the, the necessities to be able to take the time with our children because we're at work all the time, then that, that starts that like yeah. same generational trauma of like not being able to, you know, or kids that can't eat like with the, the breakfast programs and things like that. Like that's like, you're already starting low uh, when you're, when you're looking at academic wise is if you, if you're not eating, you're not, you're not going to be able to retain information. Exactly. Yeah. So meeting the basic needs of these kids when they start mm-hmm. school and really funneling all of our efforts and time into making sure that all of those kids have those opportunities, right. That may not mm-hmm. happen. Cause when I grew up, we never had conversations about what are you going to do when you grow up? Right. Uh, when I was in, uh, growing up too, I don't remember having books at home. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and a cupboard full of food stocked up, you know? <laughs> so these are things that they, the kids that are coming into school right now don't all have the same home life. Right. And the same opportunities. So I think that if we really make, make an effort to put more into preschool programming, mm -hmm. um, supporting those young moms, yeah. yeah, are struggling or trying to work and put food on the table here and not having the energy to, to do more in the evenings. I think we need to start supporting them. There's a couple of really, in the inner city of Winnipeg, there's a couple of preschool programs that are really good. Oh, really? Cool. Indigenous-based uh, programming here, almost like a daycare preschool programs. Mm -hmm. They're Indigenous-focused. And so wow. they yeah, so they're really trying to make, um, you know, education more accessible for a lot accessible. of Accessible, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So things are changing. Things are changing. Yeah. I'm really excited when I look around and I see all of the Indigenous people that are really making uh, like real trailblazers, right? Yes. And the arts and music and literacy and and just I feel like social media has uh, really helped that out I feel like um like it's given everybody a platform yeah. and indigenous folk are just kind of taken off with it <laughs> you see some of the videos even on tiktok right yes yeah I'm I, I'm pretty sure indigenous people own tiktok now like <laughs> <laughs> But it's really exciting to see the change. Like it's almost, to the, mm -hmm. almost to the point where it's cool to be indigenous. Right. <laughs> and it's kind of like, that's what I needed when I was a kid, you know, like I needed somebody that was like, Hey, this is where I come from. Well, this is where our people come from. And I'm proud. And like, you know, like, I, and I feel like the more that we talk about this with the kids, like the kids are going to get it too. And that's, I, I love that. That is like, change isn't always easy. But this change is really nice to watch. It's really like inspiring, you know? It is. It is. It's a really <laughs> exciting time for these young people yeah. who get to show off their regalia. Yes. Their, music, their drumming, their dance, uh, mm -hmm. you know, all of that. It's, it's an exciting time here. And, and you see really on social media as well that we mm -hmm. have a lot more allies. Yes. That are and are supporting that and wanting to mm -hmm. learn more. So that's mm -hmm. very inspiring. You know yes. what, when we were talking with Isaac Murdoch, we are talking about change, mm -hmm. particularly because he's been involved in some of those pipeline demonstrations, protests. Okay. Like his, his advice is that we, as indigenous people, that we fight for something rather than against. Mm -hmm. That we'll have a lot more success if mm -hmm. we are fighting for bringing the culture spirituality up front here rather than fighting against right so he says that that's you have a lot more success if you are you know uh, for rather than against than against yeah it makes a lot wow of because people get really uh, upset and angered by you know when you start blocking uh, highways Mm -hmm. you know, when you're fighting against something, but if you mm -hmm. would flip it around here and you start fighting for mm -hmm. you know, the culture and then your ceremonies and so on, then you, that things will change for the better, mm -hmm. you know, and that's yeah. kind of the way education's been for a long, long time, right? 
we've mm -hmm. always focused on deficits. Like what's this right. kid, um, you know, and we're writing out IEPs for these kids here, these special programs and supports from the resource teacher rather than focusing on what, they, what they, they're good at. Mm -hmm. So we're not looking at their assets, we're looking at their deficits. Um, so I don't know, there, I've got so many thoughts on education here that are, um, they're, you know, they're not, they're not making change quick enough for their, for the young ones, mm -hmm. for the really early years mm -hmm. students, but it's happening. So I don't know if in my lifetime, everything is going to be different here, but certainly uh, I hope I can for see sure. it. Yeah, and um, to kind of touch on on uh, in your lifetime what you have been doing, um, so you're you're working full time on the First Nation uh, Treaty Two, correct? Yeah, yeah, for the government. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's well, a that, big package. You know what? Um, we've got the number of treaties, and Treaty Two is an area that covers sort of the west southwest section of Manitoba, and there's I think nine different communities there. Mm -hmm. So they're moving towards self governance, and so what they're doing here is trying to bit piece by piece break away from the Indian Act and. Mm -hmm the funding that's provided for those communities and putting it into our own policing system, our whole, our own um, education here, our own um, land protection, our mm -hmm. own uh, um, health and well-being programming, uh, whether that be through hospitals or whether that be through, through healing lodges might mm -hmm. be. So we've developed seven circles and we've got three of them are up and running right now. So this oh is a that seven circles of governance, self-governance. Wow. So that's what we're doing right now. And I'm part of the center, the lodge that provides supports for all seven circles. And so part amazing. Yeah. So the education programming is underway here. Um, we've got um, the, what we call peacemaking, which is the policing system. Mm -hmm. so eventually we'll be doing it all ourselves in that whole territory we'll be taking care we'll have our own centers for healing we'll have our own policing system and justice system probably mm -hmm. more like healing circles rather than prisons right right and so that's been uh, sort of the focus they've been doing this for uh, probably a year and a half now and they figure in another year that most of those circles will be up and running and then they'll be severing the ties completely with the federal government and doing right. everything itself. Really exciting times. Really exciting yes. times. Because this is, it's not happened before in Canada where you've been able right. to communities and then they take care of their own needs. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what the um, First Nations and Treaty 2 Territory um, government is all about mm -hmm. here. Is, is just being self-sufficient and self-governing. So, That's a lot of power. Well, it is. A it is. Power. There's a lot of really cool people in place right now. When I, when I first joined here, and it's only been two months of working with them, mm -hmm. um, I've seen so many amazing, smart, 
like really, really um, inspiring people who are taking mm -hmm. charge of each of these circles and the changes that have been happening, even just two months that I've been there. You know, it's really, it's really exciting times for us because we're seeing a lot of really good leadership coming up here, you know, so, yeah. so it's, it's an exciting time, so much, so much happening right now and it's really exciting to see all of that, you mm -hmm. know, so I think what we're going to do is with the full circle for Indigenous education here, we're looking at a workshop series in, in spring. Um, okay. January. And we're looking at uh, doing a whole series for allies, for people who want to be allies uh, in Indigenous education. Um, and then we're looking at a lot of, of uh, wellness workshops that are focused on Indigenous ways of healing. Mm. You know, what that looks like here. What does resiliency look like? Why are we resilient? How do you build that? How do you take care of your mind, body, heart, and spirit? Right. And keep life in balance, right? <clears throat> and these are all, I know for some people, it's all common sense stuff. I know yoga's been around for a long time here. Mm -hmm. But no one's really explored the ways of healing through the indigenous lens, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, how important is humor for healing? Laughter is medicine. Laughter. <laughs> Yeah, and so those are things that uh, that have been around with First Nations people for you know thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Why? And they've worked. So why not bring that to the public mm -hmm. and teach them how to balance your life? Um, mm -hmm. Because when we don't balance our life, we get sick, right? Mm -hmm. We start focusing on our. Maybe we're in university and we focus everything on our. Um, on our coursework, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't take the time to um, feed our spirit, to feed our hearts, right. to connect with the community. Um, and that's really, really important is to be able to step back mm -hmm. and give your mind, your heart and body a break. Right. Yeah. Otherwise you get sick. And, like, and what, it's, what a time to, to be doing that um, because COVID, we're all shut down right now. Like, I feel like there's that silver lining in this, in this pandemic is we're, right. we're all able to take this time to hear ourselves and listen to ourselves and then heal. So right. whether that be from mentally, mental yeah. illness or, or what have you, like I've known since COVID hit last year, like it's, we're in a whole year already. And I felt like I've learned so much about myself. And I've, I've been able to nourish all of the things that I need in order to, you know, pick myself yeah. back up out of a rut and, and feel good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know we, we, we often um, see this pandemic thing as a thing that um, a negative thing. There's mm -hmm. positive to that. And it's allowed people to work from home to reassess what their, um, what their focus is um, to understand that material things aren't as important as human contact mm -hmm. right? and giving us an opportunity to step back and really uh, uh, reflect on how we take care of ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. Even through things like daily gratitude, being thankful for what you do have, because now you know that there's things that you don't have. 
Right. Um, what you relied on before, like, you know, time with your family. Mm -hmm. And so the value of that has really been brought to the forefront, right? It's so mm -hmm. important to have that human contact with people. Right. You know, and it's also important to really take time to really connect with nature and, and the land. Mm -hmm. And time. Um, I know last summer, I spent most of my summer at the cottage, but I was able to step back and spend time just reflecting and sitting by the water and listening to nature, right? Yes. And that really, really kept my life kind of in balance here. So, mm -hmm. you know, I know we need to, we can't focus on the negatives because uh, we have to start looking at the positives of this. Mm -hmm. Maybe a wake up call, you know. Yeah. Mother Earth has given us a wake up call. Pay attention here. Look at what you're mm -hmm. doing. To the earth. Look at right. how you serve each other, you know. I, and I, I feel like that ties in with, um, what uh, Mr. Murdoch had told you is uh, fighting against something rather than fighting for it, right? That's the same with healing. If you're trying to just counteract uh, your feelings in a negative way, then rather than for it, you know, you're allowed to feel your negative feelings and, and just let it happen rather than fighting against it. Yeah, yeah, you know? most definitely. You know, mm -hmm. and you really need to really think about what it is you need to do to keep that balance, right? Whether mm -hmm. it, your spiritual part of you is that part where you're reflecting and you're meditating. Um, some people do yoga. Some people just listen to music or some people go for walks, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. But feeding your spirit and then feeding your heart um, are very important. And it's something that they don't do much in school. Right. You know? There's not a lot of mindfulness time. Mm -hmm. um, um, when I was in the classroom, though, we, after lunch, we always had quiet time mm. um, where I would dim the lights and, and read to the students so they could mm -hmm. just calm themselves down and they could focus in on what they hear, mm. you know, so just connecting with those senses. It was really made a huge difference in my classroom. That's you beautiful. Know? And then for, to feed the heart, uh, we would have uh, regularly talking circles. Like we'd mm. have a circle on a regular basis. We got to know each other. We got to talk about things. We got to reflect, problem solve. Mm. Um, so even though it took away time from the curriculum, it really did benefit them in the end. That sounds like personal development, like children are learning how to develop themselves. Yeah, not so, just academically. Well, yeah, and so emotional learning and teaching is should be part of what you do as a teacher, as a teacher, and as a parent. Mm -hmm. You know, making sure that you have that time, quiet time, away from the TV or the video games, right? Right. Yeah. To walk together, you know, to play outside, and mm -hmm. and to laugh together. Yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Building some some of that here into your daily lives here, and it doesn't mm -hmm. pay off in the end. I think it pays off in the end here if you really keep your life in balance and teach the kids how to do that. Yes, yeah. When you're so I didn't know how to do that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that there's some schools um, where they have a bench in in the sort of the front hallway here. 
And if you feel like you're sad or you need a hug or someone to talk to, sit on the bench and someone can come and join you. Oh, yeah. Cool idea. That's, that's really cute. <laughs> so that's just a way of you supporting each other here. Like, mm -hmm. sharing, you know, sharing your love and concern and caring yeah, for each sure. other. That little bit of kindness goes a long way. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Well, this, this was a lovely time, Renee. I, I appreciate this and I appreciate you so much. Uh, we're coming up to an hour already here. <laughs> so fast. <laughs> I, yeah. It's, it feels like it's only been five minutes, but unfortunately we're coming up to the hour long here. So um, is there anything else that you want to share with the, the people out there? No, no. Um, I <laughs> Um, if you want to connect with me, it's Renee McGurry, R-E-N-E-E-M-C-G-U-R-R-Y. Um, you can find me on Facebook, also on Instagram. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And uh, if you have any questions or if you want to reconnect or something sort of sparked an idea in your head, certainly do uh, reach out. To, you know, I get a lot of messages from people saying, can you, can you, uh, help me out here. I'm looking for this and this and this. And I, you know, I said, mm -hmm. you know, cause I've been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I, I appreciate you um, recording my first episode here. I, I feel like this was a perfect fit for the Eagle's nest here. So again, miigwetch so much. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, until <laughs> next time, I guess. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. It's been a real wonderful hour with chatting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Me too. Thank you. Bye-bye.